listen along on your Alexa device. Just say enable Lock Ray Community Radio. Lock Ray Community Radio. Mind the Head with Paul Flaherty. A show that takes a look at the different aspects of mental health and well-being. Sunday mornings on Lockray Community Radio. Hello and you're very welcome along to today's episode of Mind the Head here on Lockray Community Radio with me, Paul Flaherty. A very big thanks to Denise for the last hour with A Vibrant Life and Denise is back with you again next Sunday at 11am. This show is kindly brought to you by Dignity Funeral Care, dignityfuneralcare.ie for more information. And Mind the Head is your weekly mental health and wellbeing show where I meet a variety of guests, some that are experts and sometimes by guests that have overcome adversity and achieved personal challenges. On today's show I'm joined by singer-songwriter Kevin Walsh, who's from Cork, his recently released single, Embrace the World, in aid of As I Am, Ireland's leading autism charity, has been released. And Kevin is here today to tell us all about that. Hello, Kevin. Hey, Paul. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Very good, and thanks for having me on. Firstly, congratulations on getting to number one in the iTunes chart. You successfully managed to beat Harry Styles to the number one <laughs> spot. <laughs> That was quite something for this uh, little uh, this little indie record from Ireland. Yeah, I mean, when you got the news that the song went to number one, I mean, how did you feel? Okay, I'll tell you how happened. We had uh, two of the artists that are on the track with me, Lisa Curran and Jura Hanlon. They stayed up all night. I didn't. I went straight to bed and found it out first thing in the morning. But um, it was very surreal. Because my project manager, Yvonne, and I, we have the saying, aim for the moon and fall among the stars. Yeah. Which basically means that we set out to achieve what we can achieve. Yeah. And um, whether it gets to number one on iTunes or whether it doesn't, it's the attempt that counts. But when it actually does, of course, you feel very happy about it and delighted that people have responded so positively to it. And... Um, Especially because this project basically started out with just Lisa, Yvonne and myself, just the three of us. And I had the song and they looked after the management aspects of it. But we started out, it was actually nearly a week to the year that we recorded in the studio, the instrumental track. So it was building it up in these little stages because we had to run a crowdfunding campaign to get the funds that were needed to put something of this scale together. So every step along that journey has been a victory, even to get to the point where we could record in the studio was a victory to the point where we got the collaborating artists like Emma Langford and people like that to take part in it. That was a big victory actually getting over the line to fund it because it's ran on an, on an all or nothing basis. That was a victory. So there's just these little victories and little successes along the way that build up my own confidence and build up the good feeling that's been around this project for the last year for me. And the achievement on iTunes, it's just another rung on that ladder. Yeah. Did it and, go um, did it go straight to number one or did it kind of start off kind of midway and then kind of work its way no, up to the it top? Or went, it went straight to number one by oh, uh, at one o'clock on the 13th of April. It was number one on iTunes. Like I said, the others were keeping a very close eye on it while yeah. I was off in Lab. We just did this big Instagram 
session so i was wrecked yeah <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i also want to say as well we're number 19 on the official irish homegrown charts as well yeah that's fantastic i mean we've got to kind of stress as well that this uh, charity is in aid of, this single has been released in aid of As I Am, Ireland's leading autism charity. Um, can you tell us a bit about the charity and kind of the work they do and maybe then a bit about how you kind of came together and decided to kind of do this for them? So As I Am is an autism charity in Ireland that's ran by autistic people for autistic people. Their CEO, Adam Harris, is autistic, and so is a lot of the board members. So it's a very fresh take on the autism charity as opposed to the ones of old that were maybe ran by services or family members. But with this one, to get directly in there, they provide a lot of workshops and information to the community about autism, to shopping centers, to schools, to colleges any kind of information line about autism that is available in Ireland, they provide it and they have a fabulous website. I first became aware of them about six or seven years ago. They had a documentary on RT called Autism and Me. And one of the main featurees on that was Adam and a whole bunch of other people on the spectrum, as we call it, um, talking about their own experiences and how it has some of their experiences have challenged them in life, but at the same token, they have experiences with it that have caused them a lot of empowerment in life. And that was a big turnaround for me seeing that because growing up autistic back in the 90s and the 2000s, it wasn't so known about, there wasn't this big advocacy mm-hmm. movements that there was to the eh? So it was very much kind of a, we kind of pulled in the corner and we don't talk about it. And the model was based on the struggles of autism. So, well, Kevin's autistic. He has struggles with doing socializing. He struggles with loud noises. He struggles with this. Whereas nowadays, they put it like, well, okay, yeah, Kevin is autistic. He does struggle with loud noises, this thing and that thing, but he's also well able to attend to the detail mm. and all these um, round, it's a, it's a more rounder and broader view. And it took me watching that documentary to get that rounder view in myself mm-hmm. and to get over that sense of can't and that sense of shame that I'd been followed around for most of my life. So that's why I wanted to do the song for Azam first off, because it's a return for them for giving me the courage to be more open mm-hmm. with myself about it. Mm-hmm. It's the proverbial, you know, back in the fifties, if you were left-handed, they'd force you to write right-handed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to conform to a certain way. Yeah. 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 Um. So, okay. So maybe a little bit about yourself now, Kevin, because you've mentioned there that um, at the age of five, you were diagnosed as being autistic. So you've been on your own kind of journey throughout your life. Uh, I mean, maybe do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Okay, well, 
some of the memories around that were my earliest memories. Because I remember having a lot of issues with food and textures, aversion to change, and having to go to a residential unit for several weeks to overcome that. And I could still remember, it even came back to me when we were shooting the video, because we reenacted some of those early childhood moments in the video where you'd put the, the orange in my hand and I'd react like, like I'd just been set on fire. Mm. And just that sense of overwhelming and anxiety about everything, especially very early on, but as um, I got speech and language training through specialist school, I learned to be more verbal and with the bit of extra verbosity I'd gotten, made it easier to explain things and made it easier to navigate the world around me. But um, the, uh, the scary point really happened was when I went to mainstream school at 16. Because I'd been in a specialist school for 10 years, so I was around people similar to me and mm -hmm. different. But this was being thrown into the big bad world with um, the fast social pace of mm -hmm. teenage socialization and all these little social codes. I went from a school of 40 mm -hmm. to 1400. Mm -hmm. So talk about being the big fish in yeah. the small pond to yeah. the small fish in the big pond. And, but for the years leading up to that, I've always been very passionate about music. I'd been playing piano and singing. And when I had the opportunity to play for my classmates in the mainstream school, that was the beginning of the breaking down of the social barriers. Okay. Because it wasn't just because it wasn't just the case of being the artistic person. Once I tapped into this talent and people could see I had the talent at something naturally that drew people to me a bit more. Yeah. Okay. So you said there you've kind of been passionate about music and uh, and that kind of all your life really so i mean was there any kind of when you were perhaps maybe learning how to how to sing for example was there any you know obstacles you had to overcome in terms of your autism diagnosis to kind of you know to to help you to kind of or to get you on the, the singing way to get me on the singing way um, I started, I didn't actually train in singing until I went to college. Okay. Like training formally, like I yeah. sang at birthday parties and this and that, and people always reacted very strongly to it. Yeah. yeah. So I knew at that behind me, but, um, when I went to college in course of the music, that's when I first started training formally. Yeah. And, um, the trickiest thing wouldn't have been to do with autism per se, but it's to do kind of with when you're starting training anything, you get a lot of peaks and valleys. Mm -hmm. And 
because of the social anxieties mm. and keeping up the pace for college life and girls and stuff, the peaks and valleys <laughs> would have been more pronounced. Like I would have had maybe like a couple of weeks where I was singing really good and mm. then I'd have about a month for I'd get every chest infection going okay, yeah. and couldn't sing a note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um it was finding the consistency was the the toughest part I'd say yeah. of the training. Can I ask you about the you mentioned there is kind of like social anxiety in terms of like singing in public and I mean I'd imagine you know from someone suffering from anxiety to have to kind of to sing in public I mean how did you I suppose to use the word embrace that <laughs> sorry well actually well actually you know the singing singing in public is the easy part uh making conversation with a group in the common room not always okay yeah yeah because for me i think the singing in public i mean i don't know i don't think i'd be able to do it well a i can't sing anyway but that's beside the point but even just kind of maybe speaking in public is something i'd be very kind of you know i suppose anxious about you know totally and it's yeah. one of the the top five phobias i think mm. it varies depending on which list you list. But um, for me, it's often the opposite. Like I could go on stage and sing in front of 500 people, no problem. Of course, I'd have the natural nerves that mm. would occur with that. Will I sing well enough? Mm. Will I get the cross well enough? And that thing, but making conversation with the five people at the cafe over lunch is where that's what would get me my own anxiety going. Um. I wanted to ask you there about um I've just lost my train of thought for a second there, sorry now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what? We'll move on. We'll talk about the the song, Embrace the World. Sure. Um I'm always interested to speak to kind of singer songwriters about where they kind of start with that. I mean, obviously you had the idea for a song, but maybe tell us about the kind of the starting off process about, you know, where the inspiration maybe came from and that kind of thing. I've been songwriting since college. It was one of the subjects I majored in in final year. And I'd also been doing a lot of musicals and operas in college. So what I really enjoyed with those were the big ensemble pieces where the whole cast comes out and they sing about what they learned and what they experienced. And one of my favorite records growing up was the Michael Jackson record, We Are The World. And it reminded me so much of that and just in the way that, again, it's a, it's a large group of people coming out to mm. sing about something and to tell a story. So I was always drawn to storytelling and music, very naturally. Big Disney nerd too growing up, as most kids in the 90s were. And those were all musicals. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I... Even before this, I did a couple of musicals in corporate. I had my own song performed as an ensemble piece. So I was always very much into combining the musical medium with the popular medium. So the song came about through a period of self-reflection that I was experiencing during COVID. Mm. Because we were talking about social anxiety and stuff. Mm -hmm. And... I always have my ups and downs with it. And just before COVID, I was on a down. 
you know, like I kind of felt like I was kind of drifting through different music groups and stuff, mm. but I wasn't finding the key to unlock the door mm. to get to the place where I wanted to go through. And then I wanted to rectify that. And then COVID happened. So it was a shame to lose that in one sense, but in another sense, it allowed me to come back to myself and not worry about the pace of everyday life that I was constantly comparing myself to. So um, that was the inspiration for just before the first year of lockdown and just we were coming out of it, but I know we went back into it again, mm. but just as we were coming out of it the first time, I sat down and I said, okay, I'm going to pony up and I'm going to write the song and I'm going to get all these Irish artists to sing on it. And that was the genesis of the thought process of where Embrace the World started. Because if we were going to come out of COVID, then I wanted to come out of COVID being true to myself mm -hmm. and not kind of putting on the brave face, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, I had a young niece two weeks from being born, just as I sat down to write it too. So that got me in the place of, well, okay, what would you say to a child? If I, if I was to take a character for a song, it would be, what would you say to a child when they're growing up? You would tell them to reach out and embrace the world mm. and stand up for their dreams and go for the highest star, higher than you'd ever dare to climb. Because again, it's the musical thing. It wasn't directly about a life experience, but it was that piece of like life experience that allowed me to create this character out of it. Mm -hmm. And that's where the song came from. There's you mentioned there about having to kind of crowdfund to help um, to get the song uh, recorded and published and released. Um, how did you feel kind of starting off that process? Because there's a certain sense of kind of having to put yourself out there to kind of say, well, look, this is what I'm doing. I need help to get this off the ground. And, you know, can you help me, basically? Uh, what's the name of that spot in Galway with all the nice pubs? The Spanish art? Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's just put it this way. I would rather run down the Spanish art with no clothes on <laughs> than to go through the stress of crowdfunding. Yeah. Again, because yeah. <laughs> oh, you feel stripped to the core, and yeah. especially because funded is it's not a nothing model. So mm. we set a target of eight grand. So yeah. we had to make eight grand, or it was going to make nothing. Yeah. And again, peaks and valleys. Like it started out very strong, and people were supportive about it because yeah. we wrapped. This went on for a period of two months between May and July of. 2021 so we had like the, f the few weeks where it was peaking and then there's a few weeks where you'd just be going through your facebook contacts and oh mm. would you put would you just contribute even five euro towards it and bear in mind still in the thick of covid too mm. so it's not like people had a whole lot of money to mm -hmm. go around either mm -hmm. but it was a big sense of relief and what helped with that we did get good local media coverage in Cork Radio mm. and through the Irish Examiner, 
especially coming towards the end of the campaign. And I think that was what helped push it over the line. Yeah, brilliant. And obviously that money also helped towards the producing of the video, the music video that accompanies the song. Yes. Now you kind of mentioned earlier that the video is kind of like, I suppose, can I say like a dramatization of some parts of your life? Oh, yes, that's exactly it. So you would probably have had a major hand in the kind of, can I say, producing, directing of that of that video? Well, I didn't direct it. Okay. Yvonne Colin of Red Sandstone Varied Productions yeah. directed it and put it together. But in the process of her research as being the project man- manager for this, she yeah. would have talked extensively with my mom and myself about yeah. the key experiences growing up and what that was like. Yeah. So the groundwork for the script was formed through those meetings mm-hmm. and I would have had a fair contribution to the script and the way certain shots were shown, but it is ultimately Yvonne's baby. So the credit goes to Yvonne and to Morris Supple, the director of photography for Bear Vision. And because uh, there was quite a quite a big crew involved, like wasn't there? Because it's not just someone there, somebody acting on screen and somebody with a camera. There was like a crew of was over eleven people involved, at least. Yeah, I forget the exact number. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Because I because I wanted it to be like the music videos from MTV in the nineties, yeah, these yeah. big dramatic story mm-hmm. videos that mm-hmm. were like mini movies, mm. as much as their songs. Um. And you get that because vibe that from it, certainly. That was what got me hooked on music in yeah. the first place, was mm-hmm. 1990s MTV and big dramatic images and Michael Jackson clinging onto trees for dear life in the middle of Armageddon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yes, so um, Yvonne and Morris are from Red Sandstone Buried Productions and they're an award-winning crew. Um, we worked together before on a piece called An Etude in Art, which has gone out in film festivals all over the world. And we hope to do the same for the Embrace the World music video. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So well, that's why it's not up on YouTube a whole lot or anything, because we are holding it back for a run in okay. film festivals. Okay. But you, it will be released on maybe YouTube sometime in the future. Sometime in the future. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. Just one kind of one last question about the music video. What was it like kind of watching parts of your life being portrayed on screen? Um, it's a bit like it's a bit like dreaming. Yeah. Because um, because even the way it's portrayed in the video itself, it's very dreamlike. It's very um, some parts of that were a lot of fun, and some parts were like I told you the story about the day re- re- reenacting the eating disorder in the shoot would have been one of the trickier days for me because mm. I actually got the physical memory because we have to we had a child playing me and the child is autistic as well and mm. so is the young lad Roy O'Connor who plays me in college and we were very specific about that too in the casting brief nothing about us without us but I had to frame the shot that they put the child into and put the food in front of me, the different mixtures. And uh, I kind of felt a little unwell. Mm. 
because it's the physical memory, because bringing the physical memory back to me. But by the same token, the day is in the, the, where we were shooting the college and shooting in the church where, because that was the start of the fascination with music, as my mom would tell you, running around the church and experiencing just mm-hmm. the joy of the different resonances. And then the mom would try to get chased around by the angry priests. And I was just in stitches <laughs> after it. So um, it was like a cliff, it was like a, a funny Cliff North version of reliving my life story in three and a half minutes. Yeah. Uh, and of course, that'll be always there now for, for everyone yeah. to see. Yeah. Um, fantastic. So can you tell us, Kevin, is there anything kind of coming up in the future for you? Obviously, Embrace the World is is available now. You can purchase it on yeah. iTunes. Um, but aside from that, is there anything you're working on now that you kind of want to share with us for the your future? So we're going to bring out an EP at Christmas, and it's going to have different versions of Embrace the World on it. Um, like we're, go- we're, t- we're talking about doing a dance version. Oh wow! A celebrity, a celebrity duet version yeah. with like a, a really famous person. We have some warm leads on that. We actually nearly had Ray Davies and the Kings do it, but he was ill. Okay. And Meatloaf was very interested was oh, a very wow. interested name in it as well. Oh, but um unfortunately he passed yeah. away in January mm-hmm. before he could have the meetings where mm-hmm. we were going to pitch it to him. So um, there's gonna be that version and it's gonna be a multilingual version as well. Yeah, because we forgot to kind of mention that the music video, there are kind of um scenes from um, London and scenes from Barcelona as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that all sounds excellent, yeah. Kevin. Um, we're just about out of time on this episode. So um, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Kevin, um, can they? how can they get in contact with you? If you look up Embrace the World, RSVP on Facebook, Instagram and TikTok. Okay. How's TikTok um, going for you? It's something I haven't quite embraced yet. Sorry, I've used that word. That pun a second time now, embraced. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, but um, I, it's, it's new. Um, I'm referencing the Embrace the World profile in particular because it's our social media mm. manager, Lisa, gives me all the ideas for videos. You can just copy what she tells me to do. It's its own format. Mm-hmm. And the song itself, you can buy it on Bandcamp, iTunes, Amazon, and it's streamable as well on any digital platform that you can buy it and stream it. Okay. Excellent. Uh, One final thing before I let you go. If anybody listening along has recently received a diagnosis with autism or if they know someone that has, do you kind of have any words to offer them? They may be feeling a bit kind of maybe a bit low about it or, you know, maybe not really. Yeah. um, Take it day by day. Yeah. Um, Have a strong, it really does take, you know, like it takes a village to raise a child. If you have a strong team around you, be a family, be the support network, just having a strong, open and honest relationship with them is the way to go. And we're going to go back to the embrace fund, embracing all the small victories because sometimes even just to get out of bed in the morning is that victory and you shouldn't lose stock of that excellent 
Kevin, thank you so much for coming on to the show today. And best of luck with the um, Embrace the World signal, signal sing, single and um, wishing you continued success. Thank you. Oh, if I can count the amount of typos I made in emails. But, uh, <laughs> thanks for having me on. <laughs> thanks, Kevin. Good luck. show that takes a look at the different aspects of mental health and well-being. Sunday mornings on Lockray Community Radio.